so today, I mentioned last week that this was actually the sermon I was prepping for last week, and then I was reminded that last week was Palm Sunday, and I should probably talk about that. And as I was sitting there, and I was going, man, I really like this sermon, though. I really like where this is going. What am I going to, I'll just preach it some other time. And then I went, it kind of works for Easter. And I'm going to be honest with you, one of the parts that I don't like about being a pastor I adore preaching. Preaching is my favorite part. But one of the parts I really don't like is the fact that five, six times a year, I am pigeonholed in that I must preach a particular sermon. Father's Day, Mother's Day, Christmas, Palm Sunday, and Easter. And usually Valentine's Day, they want a love message. So I'm pigeonholed in to what I have to preach on. Because you might go, well, no, Pastor, you don't have to do that. You guys don't get the angry worded letters. Nobody has sent me an angry worded letter. I just want to. Yet. Please don't. But if you do, you can make them out to David Brush, 2046 Highlands Road. No. <laughs> so you're going to see that this sermon is not your typical Easter sermon. I'm not going to talk for a long time about Christ resurrecting. If you wanted to hear that, you should have come to the sunrise service. We spent 20 minutes on that this morning. But instead, we're going to talk a bit about what this day means for us and what this day allows us to do and requires us to do as Christians. If you flip in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, there's a beautiful thing here from Paul that I had read before but never read before, if you, get my, if you know what I mean. And as I was going through my, one of my devotionals uh, a couple of weeks ago, they talked about this. I went, that's beautiful. I'm going to write a sermon about that. So if you're like, if you're ever wondering like, man, where does Pastor Sam come up with his sermons? It's all around. It's a devotional. It's something you guys have said. You'd be appalled at the amount of times I've gone. Bible passages that talk about joy. Well, that one doesn't work. No, that one's good. You never know where it's going to come from. This one, the idea for it came out of a devotional that I was doing. And the point of it was that we are a letter from God to the people around us. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. And of course, it's up there uh, on the screens as usual. It reads, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need as some letters of commendation? Every time I read that, I almost say condemnation. So I have to stop because it's not the same thing. Letters of commendation to you or from you. You are our letter written in our hearts, known and read by all men, being manifested that you are a letter of Christ, cared for by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such confidence we have through Christ toward God, not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God, who also made us adequate as servants of a new covenant, uh, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. But if the ministry of death in letters engraved on stones came with glory so that the sons of Israel could not look intently at the face of Moses because of the glory of his face fading as it was, how will the ministry of Spirit fail to be even more glory? For if the ministry of commendation has glory, much more does the ministry of righteousness abound. For indeed, what had glory in this case has no glory because of the glory that surpasses it, for that which fades away was with glory, much more that which remains 
is in glory. Paul gets a little circular there. We'll talk about it and, and lay it out in more of a straight line here in a couple minutes. Number one in your note sheets there, if you grabbed a bulletin, number one in your note sheets there, a letter to all. Excuse me. A letter to all. So Paul starts out this section in his letter to the church in Corinth and says, hey, you're a letter. You're a letter from us and you yourselves are a letter. It's a beautiful idea. You see, God doesn't often use um, the supernatural, the metaphysical, because we don't respond to it very well. He loves, when you read throughout Scripture, to use the people that love him to accomplish his works, to speak his words. He loves to use dirty, messy people. He loves to use you and I. And that was true back in the Old Testament. In a few minutes, we're going to talk about this Old Covenant. It's even more true now, right? So today is Easter, right? I don't think that will come as a shock to anybody. Today is Easter. I was listening to a podcast earlier this week on Friday, and they were like, I didn't even know it was Easter weekend. I'm like, I don't believe you. Have you seen all the bunnies in the stores? Whatever. But Easter, on that day, he wrote a letter on the hearts of his disciples, they didn't know how to read it yet, and they didn't know how to share it yet. But over the course of the next 40 days, he did. And then for the next 2,000 years, people have been reading this letter that he wrote on us. Right here we read that everybody can see the letter. It reminds me of Hebrews chapter 12, right? Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, right? We are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses, whether they are physically here watching us, whether they're watching online, and yes, in case you didn't know, they can hear you when you're just talking. So if you say something, people can hear you. Whether it's in your grocery store, at your work, in your own home, with your family, whatever, we are always surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. People are always watching what we do. Always. And what we say. And we are supposed to be showing off the letter that God wrote to us at all times. Recognize that fact and walk in it. God wrote a letter on your heart to everybody. Let's see what that letter is. Number two on your note sheets. Stone versus heart. Stone versus heart. So the first letter that God writes, we call them the Ten Commandments, right? Moses goes up the mountain. God hands him the stones. They come down the mountain. Moses gets ticked. He breaks the stones and has to go get another pair. This isn't part of this sermon, but can you imagine that conversation? Moses has got to go back up the mountain. Hey, God, not for the last time. I got really mad and uh, did something I shouldn't have done. And God's like, no, yeah, I already know. You know, omniscient sort of thing. You don't break these ones. I, God's just got a, how many times in our lives did God just go, a lot of you in her are, are parents, how many times did you see something your kid do and just go, why? Why? What? What is happening? Now, imagine God who has way more children and the stakes are way higher and he just goes, why? What are you doing down there? It's all right. Because he, he gives us the stuff anyway. 
It's got to come back down. And what scripture tells us is that Moses, just from being in the presence of God, had God's glory on him. But there's a marked difference between Moses and us. And it is this. Where does God reside? Because back then, he did not reside in people. He resided in the tent, the tabernacle, and then eventually the Ark of the Covenant in the temple. Now, the Spirit resides in all who believe in him. So here's what happens. The glory fades from him. The longer Moses is away from God, the presence of God, the glory fades off of him. Yet when he comes down the mountain, even as it's fading, we read that the people of Israel can't even look at him because the glory shone so strongly off of him. We read um, that this law, the, the Ten Commandments and then later the Old Testament, right here in this passage tells us it is a law of death. Now why is that? Because the law told you how to be righteous but could not make you righteous. It told you all the things you were doing wrong, but could not actually make you righteous. You had to sacrifice animals over and over and over and over and over again and such. But the law just showed you how bad of a person you were. It didn't fully provide a way for you out of that. Not yet. And so this law written on stone, it calls, Paul calls it here a ministry of death. And for thousands of years, that's what we had. Until the time was right and God said, I'm writing a new letter. And I'm going to write it on the hearts of men and of women. So this new letter, we read, has unfading glory. Why? Because the Spirit is in us, shining through. The source of that glory never leaves us. That's in stark contrast. You think about in the Psalms and with people like Saul in the Old Testament. David says multiple times, take not your spirit from me. The Bible says that the spirit of God was removed from Saul. David had a legitimate fear. God could remove his spirit from him. He saw it happen to Saul and what happened to him the moment that spirit was gone. This morning, you don't have to fear that. When you accept Christ, because of what Christ did on the cross and because of what happened three days later, God doesn't remove his spirit from you. When you ask him for salvation, he doesn't remove that spirit from you. And so you never have this, you have this unfading glory. And here's the true gloriousness of this letter. Unlike the first letter written on stone that was a ministry of death, the letter written on the hearts of believers is a ministry of life. Right? I want to show you who Christ is to pull you out of death. Now you might say, how come the ministry of death was the first one? Because death hadn't been defeated yet. Death was defeated when Jesus rose again. Death still had a stranglehold. And until Christ comes, that hold exists. Until Christ comes to show the way out, to show the way to real righteousness. Now you might say, now pastor, does that mean everybody in the Old Testament is in hell? No. Because there were believers in the Old Testament. I don't pretend to understand God's ways. He's, his ways are higher than mine. His thoughts are higher than mine. You know, there's a verse in scripture that talks a bit about that. But in this, we have life. 
we are all walking in death. I don't mean a physical death, although, yes, we are headed towards that. It's the case because of sin. But from the moment that Adam and Eve sinned, we have been walking in spiritual death. Unable to approach the throne room, unable to even have a hope of being in heaven. But then Christ came and he said, through my blood I write a new message, a new letter. He was the first and he shared it with all who would listen. Not many believed. Oh, a lot said they believed. They were the same ones yelling crucify him a week later. Not many believed. But the ones that did then shared that letter with others. And throughout the ages, 2,000 years later now, he's written a letter on your heart. And he's asking you to bring life to the people in your surroundings. This world we live in is death. It's, it's chaos. It's sadness. And God is saying, I wrote a letter that heals that. Not makes it perfect, not yet, but that heals that. That's where this, as number three is, Easter connection. That's where this swings back around to Easter, right? Jesus is the first person to have this letter written on his heart. It cost him dearly to have it written and to share it. The price was not too high for him, and it never will be. It, this is one of the reasons why I am a huge proponent of preach the gospel and let it speak for itself. The gospel does not need our help. In fact, we usually just muddle it up. The gospel doesn't need me to make it something incredible to you. Let me let the gospel make it incredible. Jesus Christ, who is God, came to earth as a man, lived for 33 years, died the most gruesome death ever, ever and then spent two to three days in hell and then defeated death in the grave rose again and says the way to heaven is you just have to say yes to me that's it just say yes to me it's foolishness it doesn't make sense it's so simple it should be more complicated than that it's not that's why we sing amazing grace because it's so amazing that he would save a wretch like me. And if you don't believe you're a wretch, get off your high horse. You are just like me and he saved us the same. One of my favorite people in scripture, right, is Peter. And boy, if there was anybody that needed Jesus, it's that poor guy. This poor guy in like a four-verse span gets told he's going to be the rock upon which Christ builds his church. And then gets told, get thee behind me, Satan. Jesus calls him Satan. This poor bloke is over here doing his best and it's just not good enough. But the incredible thing is that after Jesus is resurrected, Jesus goes and meets him at the lake and says, I'm not done with you yet, brother. I asked you to become a fisher of men. I never stopped asking. I never stopped. Jesus, the moment that you accepted him as your Lord and Savior, wrote a letter on your heart to shine forth to yourself and to everyone around you. And you might be here this morning and you feel like Peter who has to run to the tomb to see is Jesus actually alive because dang nabbit if he is, I've uh, got some explaining to do. Because a few days ago I said I didn't know him. You might be like Peter and you go, crap, I've messed up. I've messed up horribly. He doesn't want me anymore. I'm used goods. He doesn't want me anymore. And Jesus 
is just right there waiting for you going, now hang on, I wrote that letter, I never erased it. I never took it back. I never said I don't want you anymore. Yes, I have said we need to clean some stuff up. Peter would spend the rest of his life cleaning some stuff up while also getting thousands of people saved. You might be in that boat right now where you're going, God, this letter, it's, it's muddied up because of me. And he goes, my letter is never muddied up. You might be, but my letter never is. So just turn around. I'm right here. And I'll clean the window, and it'll be perfect again. You also kind of might be in a spot, not kind of, you very well might be in a spot where you don't have a letter written on your heart. The letter that's written to you is still the letter of the ministry of death. You might be in that spot where, boy, for real, you can't shine for anybody because there is no light inside of you. And it doesn't matter how good a person you are, how much money you've given to the church, to charity, to anything. It doesn't matter how awesome and nice and kind and sweet and generous, right? You could be fulfilling all of the fruit of the Spirit. But if that letter's not written on your heart, it means absolutely nothing. Throw it out. You might as well be the worst person in the existence of the world. The greatest person who ever lived, who doesn't accept Christ, goes the same place as people like Adolf Hitler and Joseph Stalin and Nero, Pontius Pilate, or the Pharisees. They all go the same place. So I want to encourage you this morning. You might be here this morning because you go, well, it's Easter, we should go to church. Good. You might be here this morning because you go, I've gone to church for the past 70 years, and dagnabbit, I'm not missing another one. Amen. We're somewhere in between. God doesn't care. He cares about where's your heart at, and have you allowed him to write the letter. As we begin to wrap up here on Easter, I, I want to encourage you with that. If you're in the place like Peter, just turn around. You don't have to run from him. First off, you can't. It's always right there. And secondly, just turn around and say, all right, God, I'm ready to be back. I'm ready to be home again. And if you haven't accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, right, if he has not written that letter on your heart, I don't care how much you know, how much church you've been to, or how little, let him write it. Because he died for you. He lived, he was beaten, bruised, mocked, scorned. Isaiah tells us that the Lord was pleased to crush him. He was crucified, he died. He went to hell, he rose again for you. And he's saying, all you've got to do is say yes to me. I don't, that's it. Now, yeah, there's more to life than that. The process continues, but it's got to start right there. And thirdly, maybe you're in the boat where you're like, you know what? I'm not running from God right now. Yes, you've got your sin struggles. I'm not trying to be like you're perfect. You're not. None of us are, right? But you're like, I'm not really, I'm not running from God right now. I want to be the light. I want to shine to the people around me. Awesome. Keep it up. Because there's going to be a time when you're not. There's going to be a time when you feel like that light can't shine through. It still can. But if you're in that high right now, awesome. I want to encourage you this morning, shine it out. Don't worry about what the world thinks, what your coworkers think, what your family thinks, what anybody thinks. You shine, not what anybody thinks. You worry about what God thinks, and you do that. Are you the thief on the cross? I know, I'm giving you a whole bunch of stuff, right? Are you the thief on the cross who goes, God, I want to shine right now? He really didn't shine for very long before he died. 
Are you like Peter, who goes, I can't shine. I've done too much. I can't shine anymore. Or are you like the other thief on the cross who goes, I don't need to shine. God's right there for all of it. And he wants you. He doesn't need you, but he wants you. And that's what Easter's about. Christmas is my favorite time of year. Most of you know that. I love Christmas. It's useless without Easter. It doesn't mean a thing without Easter. Good Friday doesn't mean a thing without Easter. But here's the thing. Easter doesn't mean a thing without Good Friday and without Christmas. They all have to run together because he has to be born. He has to live and he has to die. And he has to rise again. I'm going to pray in just a minute. And I'm going to pray for those things that I talked about. And whatever prayer is the part that fits you, feel free to pray it with me. I am going to pray a salvation prayer with you guys. It's not the words that save you. It's the heart change that does. When you truly say, okay, God, I want this. That's what changes you. If you're in the place where you're like Peter, it's not the prayer that saves you. Peter had to run back to Jesus. Remember in that story, he jumps out of the boat and swims to him. He can't wait. You have to run back to him. And boy, if you're shining, just thank him and ask him for the opportunities. Because Jesus is good. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for Easter. For how incredible a day this truly is for how amazing it is of what happened, that we can stand in awe and amazement. Father, I want to thank you for, for those that are in the spot where we're like, yeah, they're like, we're just shining. We're shining and we want to keep shining. Thank you for that upliftedness. Thank you for that joy. And I ask that you would give them opportunities to keep shining and keep them strong. Obviously, you're shining through them, but that they would continue to feel that and witness that. Father, for those of us who are a bit much like Peter right now. I pray that you would help us to turn around, and we're all going to be like that at points. The best of us are going to be like that at points. I ask that you would help us to turn around and just run back to you. Just go, God, I'm sorry. I denied you. I messed up. I, I'm not letting this letter shine through because of me. Make it right again, and boy, you do. There are consequences sometimes, but boy, you do. And Father, lastly, as this prayer, as we pray this, I want to ask that you would put on the hearts of anybody, whether they are right here in the pews, whether they are listening at home, watching on Facebook, whatever, that if they have not accepted Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, your spirit would just come over them and they would feel that weight and know that now is the time not to wait, not to go, well, I'll have time later. No, that it's right now. And if that's the case, that they would pray this with, that Father, I know that I am a sinner, that I need you, that I want your letter of life written on my heart. Come into my heart and rescue me. Be my savior, my king, my Lord. Thank you, Father, for Easter, for Good Friday and for Easter, that you rose again and paid the penalty for me. Father, as we wrap up here, we just praise you for it. Give us all just a, a continued blessed Easter and a week. And it's in the name of your son that we pray, amen. I leave you with this. Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He is not here. He is risen, just like he said he would do. God bless and have a great week, guys.